of Luke 9, 51 through 56. This is where we were two weeks ago. And we talked about how Jesus made a decision to determine a course that would to change everything. And he chose to head towards Jerusalem. And we read here that it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up. It spoke of the cross. It spoke of his return to the Father. That he steadfastly, and we sat with this phrase, steadfastly set his face. That he made a decision to make his move towards Jerusalem. Knowing everything that was there waiting for him. And of course, we went on to talk about how as Jesus was coming down from the south, make, from the north coming down to the south, making his way to Jerusalem, that along the way they passed through a village. It was Samar- the land of the Samaritans, and there was a lot of tension between the Samaritans and the Jews. We talked about that, how even that time, there was prejudice. It went both ways. Uh, it was both religious and social, and, and it just had a lot of components to it. Well, the Samaritans, when they found out that Jesus was making his way towards Jerusalem, that that was in his intended destination, they decided that there wasn't going to be any room for him in the town. And, of course, that, as you, as you read the passage, it got James and John really mad. Uh, they, they wanted to call down fire from heaven. They had this big statement. They're offended on the Lord's behalf. And Jesus basically gets mad, but he doesn't get mad at the Samaritans. He gets mad at them. And he says, what kind of spirit is that in you? It's not my spirit. He goes, basically, he says, you know what? Look at that, that final verse, 56. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy life. That's exactly the opposite of everything I've come to do. You, you get offended on my behalf and you just want to destroy and, and, and kill. He says, I, come, I have come to give my life away so that people may be saved. And it was the very opposite spirit of, of the sacrificial approach to Jerusalem that he was making. The irony, of course, was as he's making his way to give himself away so that others may live, his own disciples, offended, are wanting to take life. And so there's this amazing thing that we talked about that happens. And we, we mentioned, and again, I, can't, I don't want to go too far in this, except to say that we have to, sometimes in life we have to make decisions not to be offended. And we have a choice to make about how we're going to own our anger. And if, are we going to let it define us? And, you know, one of the things that Jesus taught us, it says that he did what? That that little phrase at the end of that verse tells us something. It says, you know what? We're just going to go to another village. And the idea was, and I'm not saying there aren't times when we have to address things, but in this case, it's an example how there are decisions in life where we basically have to choose. Am I going to take offense? Or, you know what, I'm just going to let it be. When you know where you're going, you, you just don't get stuck in those places. Jesus knew where he was going. So he, he didn't take offense. He went to another village. It's no big deal. We'll go somewhere else. Now, that gets us to what we're going to look at this morning and this, at this time. This brings us to the passage that's directly connected to it. What's interesting about these next few verses is they picture three decisions that we're being presented with around discipleship. A disciple is simply a committed follower. Jesus is going to show us three examples as he's making his way down, there are these exchanges that occur. By the way, they're not um, very detailed. It, one of the things that we will be struck with is the degree in which they are actually broad-stroked and almost hard to truly understand. What is Jesus trying to establish here? In fact, the key to understanding what's actually happening around these decisions of discipleship is connected to actually the answers that Jesus gives. The responses of Jesus are clues as to what the real issues are. Because on the surface, it might not make sense. So we look at verse 57. We'll just sort of move forward. At the end of it, I have some things I want to share around this. But I want us to look at the passage itself. Verse 57. Now, it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, that is a great, I mean, that's a great declaration. 
It's very uh, impressive. Lord, I just want you to know I will follow you wherever you go. And uh, we have no reason to believe. Some people say, well, clearly this guy was just, you know, talking and he was big talk and he, he was over, you know, excessively self-confident. And, and I've, I've heard, you know, there were there some people say he just, you know, he was just talking and, and he clearly didn't, under, didn't really understand the gravity of what he was saying. Other, others have said, no, he, he knew what he was saying. He just didn't really understand completely what, what was, you know, the, the real meaning of that. I mean, it's like sometimes we make commitments, but we don't really think it through in terms of what is actually really going to require of us. This, this particular man says, you know, Lord, I want to follow you wherever you go. And then Jesus, and he does this a lot. I mean, he, he responds in ways that you go, why is he saying that, you know? It's sort of, it's sort of like, well, foxes have holes, uh, you know, it's, uh, okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, foxes have holes. Just think about it. I'll follow you wherever you go. Really? Well, foxes have holes. <laughs> and birds have nests. Hmm, okay. But really, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And I think what he was saying was this. You're very, see, again, remember, the clue to what the real issue is is in the answer of Jesus. What Jesus is saying is, listen, listen. Are you sure you know what you're committing yourself to? Because this is not as glamorous as it may appear. I got nothing. Have you looked around lately? The foxes have places to live. Birds have a place to live. I own nothing. I'm traveling light because I'm going somewhere. In Jesus' particular case, there was a, I don't know if I would call this, he had an atypical detachment because he was focused in. And it's almost like the Lord is saying to this man, you know, you know my, the man with stars in his eyes, listen to me. You say you want to follow me wherever I'm going? I don't think you really understand the implications of what you just said. Because have you looked about me lately? I don't have as much stuff going for me as maybe you would imagine. Are you sure that's what you want to do? Somebody, it was interesting because I had this, um, somebody came up to me after service last night and said, you know, when you were talking about how Jesus had nothing and, and really didn't have material things holding him back, because when you have nothing, you have nothing to lose at some level. And, and yet he had everything, and yet he had nothing. But this was a response, an exchange. This, and he tells me, and he, he, this, last night he came up to me after service, and he's, he's telling me this, and he goes, and it reminded me of a great story. It was, it's a funny story. Let me tell you it. I said, okay, tell me it, All right? So if it's not funny, it's his fault, all right, not mine, but uh, uh, I thought it was actually, he goes, he goes, there was this, there was a dad, and he had a son, he goes, in fact, the son was about your son's age, you know, and about around driving age, and the son comes up to his father, and his father's, uh, you know, they're talking, and the son says, you know, dad, I'd really like to, to drive, you think you can maybe get me a car? And the dad says, well, you know, your grades, I mean, it's just not that good right now, C, you know, C's, uh, and you know what, I really would, you know, I'll think about it, but really what I want you to do is I want you to think about getting those grades up. I want you, I want you to actually take a little more seriously, get involved in your, in your youth group and start reading your Bible a little bit more and, uh, you know, get connected better and, and take it a little more seriously about your, 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 you know, your relationship with God and start reading the, reading the Bible more. And then also, you know, gee, you're, you're, you're just your you're clothes. I mean, you're just sort of got baggy, you're baggy, you just look unkept, you got to cut the hair, you, go, you take, care, take care, come back, and we'll talk about it a little bit later. So the son comes back, says, Dad, 
my grades are up. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting some Bs now. Um, I've been going to my, my group. I'm reading the Bible a whole lot more, right? And then the dad says, well, that's, that's good, but you know, what about the, 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 the baggy clothes and the hair and all? And he says, well, you know, I was reading the Bible. Uh, <laughs> Jesus, you know, he, he kind of had, you know, long, he, yeah, and dad says, yeah, Jesus was walking. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. Yeah, <laughs> so, that was actually pretty good. He didn't have much, right? And so the, now, how do we get back to where we're supposed to go now? Well, the idea for me was that Jesus really didn't have much. And yet, this person wanted to attach himself to Jesus so bad. And Jesus said, I want you to really think through what you're about to commit to because you got stars in your eyes. And you want me, you're going to want me to deliver on stuff, and you don't really understand what you are committing to. Second example. And this one's a little different because Jesus initiates the conversation. Follow me. By the way, that is something he says to every one of us. He's been saying it. And for some of us, we're hearing it for the first time, truly. Follow me. Follow me. Then he said to another, verse 59, follow me. But this man said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Now, initially, it could mean exactly what it says. Perhaps his father had died. Some people have said, yes, that's what it meant. His father had died. He wanted to go bury him. But in reality, others have written that this was actually a common, a common phrase in Jesus' day in which people would often say, Lord, I will, I will do this after my father has died. But right now, I have responsibilities. And a lot of times, those responsibilities were connected to honoring the father, but also to your inheritance. And it was almost like he's saying to him, you know, and you look at, and you look at, the, rea you look at the reaction that, that it comes here, and part of us goes, you know, wow, you know, that would make sense to me. Yeah, you know, go ahead. You feel like Jesus just said, you know, go ahead. Yeah, I get it. Don't worry about it. You go ahead and take care of that. But what Jesus says is kind of stunning and almost shocking. It startles us because it seems somewhat different than what we normally would assume he would say. Because when he says, follow me, Lord, and he said, Lord, let me first go ahead and bury my father. He's, Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. And I, I mean, that's a tough word. But for whatever the reason, again, Jesus' response carries the clue. For whatever the reason, there was something in this man that God saw in him, Jesus saw in him, that required an immediate, not a delayed response. That whatever it was that he was meant to bring was meant to be brought now. That's the second picture. Third picture, verse 61. And another also said, Lord, and then we see a third. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me go back and then a bid farewell to those who are at my house. Let me just say goodbye. And Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and begun this thing and looking back. He's using the analogy of a farmer who, has a, who is plowing a furrow. And he's using the, the analogy, which they all would have understood immediately, that the idea is once a, a farmer starts to do something, uh, for, you know, he has to keep, to keep the line straight, he has to keep his eye on that point. If he takes his eye off and starts looking back, he'll, he'll get off course. Jesus said, don't you understand? Once you start this thing and you get your eye focused, you've got to stay. You can't look back. Those are the three pictures. 
very interesting things that Jesus says. And by the way, part of that had to do with the fact that, and notice the word fit there. It's just an interesting word, fit. We think of it today, we use it a lot. You know, are you fit? Or you know, someone has, you know, been working out. How fit are you? This idea of fit for the kingdom is an interesting, uh, well, it means well-placed, suited for, ready, prepared. Are you ready to do this? Are you truly ready? Have you prepared yourself to do this? Are you, have you got yourself? Because once you are, once you, once you make that move, you don't look back. Now, that's the point that he's saying. In a way, Jesus is saying each one of these examples is actually a contrast to the very thing he was doing. What does it say Jesus was doing in verse 51? Steadfastly setting his face towards Jerusalem. They really do serve as a contrast to him. I mean, this vacillation of each of these prospective disciples served as a real example of in comparison to what Jesus was doing. Jesus focusing in, refusing to get distracted. Each one of these three disciples, potentially potential followers, in their moments of decision, excusing themselves in different ways. And this idea of fitness, this idea of unsuited, not ready, not prepared, I found myself thinking about it. And here's the first thing I want to share around it that hit me. And, and the, one of the things that I, I re, as I sat there, I thought, Lord, you know, I, 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 have, I have looked back at times. What about me? I haven't, always, I haven't always gone a straight line. And it got me thinking, you know, about fitness and what it means to honor God. And one of the things that, that I thought about was this. There is a sense that every one of us is, at least at some point, unfit for the, in the kingdom and in need of the grace of God. Now, I, I really believe that, that, that there... The fact is that all of us will struggle at times. And, and I've, I found that sometimes we will stumble and we will, we will fail and we won't do, we won't go, we won't go where we're supposed to be going. We'll, we won't get it right all the time. And in those moments, you know, a lot of times that's, by the way, where growth often occurs. It's right there in the failure. But many, many sometimes, I guess part of why this has come up to me is because I've heard people say, you know, I just, I just don't feel like I can do anything for God. And you don't know what's going on in my life. And I understand, I understand there are some things we need to clearly address, and there are some things that really hold us back. But, you know, I kept saying, I said, you know what, God, I mean, we all fail. Not a one of us here gets, there's no such thing as always getting it right following the Lord. We will always be in need of God's grace. In fact, there are some times where it's those moments of, of just complete awareness of how much we really do need him that when we're really humbled and in our, in our feeling of least worthiness, that the embrace of the Lord comes and he says, get up, I love you, um, I am with you, I am for you, I do not see you as anything other than what um, you are to me, a son or a daughter. I think of the prodigal, I think of how the, in the story that Jesus gave us about God's love, how that prodigal with his filth and his rags is, is not expecting to be loved that way. And the father runs to him and embraces him and kisses him and weeps over him. And I think that is the Lord with us. He really, truly, truly wants to see us do well. And he wants to help us do it. That, you know, we talk about this word grace a lot. And how we need grace. You know, grace is the word. It's a great word. It's used all the time. It's a kind of uniquely Christian word in a way. It, it, it's something that you read the scriptures and you see it all over the place. And I was thinking about what does it mean? You know, what does it mean? We said God's grace. We all need God's grace. It means we need his, his favor. Yes, it's his, his gift to us, his presence. It's, it's like a jewel. It's like a, a diamond that has many facets to it, this beautiful word, this concept. 
But really, we say the grace of the Lord be with you. May God's favor, may his tenderness, may his love fall upon your life. May he be all that you need. May his, his gift that is beyond our, our capacity to earn be yours. May his love fill your life. May, may it fill us. May God's presence and power work in us. You see, all that is in grace. I was thinking about what, what the Lord, you know, because again, there will be times where we say, well, you know, Lord, I, I failed. But see, we live on the other side of the cross. And because we live on the other side of the cross, grace flows like a river. And, and I was thinking about what Paul, what the Lord told Paul, who was feeling pretty beat up about himself. And he said this, my, my grace is sufficient for you. Some of us need to hear this. My strength is actually demonstrated to be perfect more than you need in your weakness. In other words, maybe our weakness and even our sin and our failure and our secret things that shame us. And in our heart of hearts, we know they're holding us back. And in those places, we feel so paralyzed and so unworthy, so challenged and so defeated, so frustrated. And we all struggle with different things, you know? But in that place, God's grace shows up and says, listen, even your weakness is my opportunity. Don't, don't concede anything in me. I can do amazing things. And there is something about this idea of letting God's grace work in our lives. Think about what Paul wrote to Timothy later on. He said, who was his kind of protege. He said this. He said, listen, Timothy, you, might, you are my son in the faith. He says, I want you to be strong. Look at the phrase. Be strong in the grace. Be strong in the grace. In other words, this is, that is in Christ Jesus, right? Part of the idea is link up with the one. Find your identity in him. Learn to lean into him. Learn how to live in the strength of his favor in your life. Learn how to let your life be filled with him so that you, strength may flow in you to prevail. And in really reality, God's calling all of us to points of growth and breakthrough. Uh, there are things that he wants to work into us and things the Lord would work out of us. There are things that the Lord wants to teach us to do, but you know, honestly, loving God and loving people are the core of, of success in the, in the eyes of the Lord. And especially the key people that he's placed and given us to love. And so many of our decisions are challenged around those issues. One of the amazing things to me is if you were to read the last, this, I was thinking about it, grace, grace, grace. You know one of the amazing things? The last book of the Bible, Revelations, the last chapter of the Bible, and the last verse of the last chapter of the last book is all about grace. Look at it, the final word. Some of us, this may be the ass, so others of us, it's like, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Let it be. God wants to fill our lives with his grace. He wants to do things in our lives. His, I think that's awesome. And then secondly, not far behind that, I want to sort of shift it back over. Second question for us, really, a question, is what decisions is God calling? What decision is God calling us to make at this, really, at this point here? I mean, uh, what, what adjustments is the Lord asking us to make in our life? What things are going to be needed to, to be shifted around so that we can draw closer to him? Maybe, maybe some of us is just getting a time of renewal. For others of us, it's about really taking seriously for the first time in our lives to apply ourselves to growing as a follower of Jesus, to not just knowing a little bit about the Lord and, and reading his Bible and reading the Bible, but actually really digging in and making the determination that I'm actually going to really dig more deeply. I'm actually going to really deeply work out. I'm really going to go for a deepening of my life with God. I'm going to actually really ask the Lord to help me continue to work on character transformation. 
Or maybe this is a time in my life where I've got to finally, once and for all, begin to deal with some stuff that's been hanging on me, haunting me. Uh, it's secret stuff. It's stuff that's weighing me down. I don't, want to, I don't want it anymore. It's bondage to me. I want to move on. I want to move on. I want to be more of who God made me to be. Or, or Lord, I, I, you know, this season of needing to move forward. What is God calling us to? What adjustments might he be asking us to make? What habit is he asking us to potentially confront and, and eliminate with his help, with the help of others, getting involved with others who are following Jesus, training together in the Lord? learning how to pray for one another, learning how to understand his word together, learning how to apply it to everyday life so the wisdom of God fills the choices that we make and that we make better decisions and we become more effective problem solvers in the sphere of life that we have been given to operate in so that wherever we go, we bring the kingdom of God with us. There's something about this, something about just being a, a kind of person who has a, an intellectual belief in Jesus and says, I believe that, and another person, and, really, and I'm not saying we're supposed to walk around judging one another, but I am saying there is a difference between that, having a faith, and actually beginning to really apply it to the everydayness of our life, and actually taking it seriously enough, we begin to pay attention to things that God's calling us to pay attention to. And so this idea of what, what maybe some of us, God is asking us to be brave, and to carry weight that we don't really want to carry. But it's required of us at this time. Maybe some of us need courage to face things. We're afraid. Or maybe we're lonely and we want to solve that loneliness in unhealthy ways. And the Lord is saying, trust me. Trust me. Walk with me. Grow with me. Let me love you. Let me send you people. But don't force the hand. Learn. We all str- Listen, we all struggle in different ways. Is it... No one of us gets it right all the time. Nobody. But the growing way is an opportunity. Third question, really. Well, actually, I'll put it this way. There are three. I was looking at the passage, just, and this will be quick, because the, the, in that second thing, decisions, let me kind of show you something real quick, or at least look at it. I want to call these basically three, a sub, kind of a sub, sub line underneath this second thing here. Principles for sort of making the right decisions, or at least things to consider about it. And I'm going to draw it right out of here real quickly from this passage. I mean, if you think about it, look at the first example. What does it teach us? This example was what? This guy says, I'll follow you wherever. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Foxes have, you know, holes, the birds have. What was he saying? He's saying, don't make a casual commitment. Be careful about casual commitments. One of the principles here is be careful of casual commitments that are just kind of like not really thinking it through and weighing it out. But sort of being just sort of uh, a little bit shoddy in what we commit ourselves. Ah, maybe, the, maybe just we're not, we're not really, see, there's a danger sometimes in just saying, ah, yeah, I'll do that. But we re- do we really, have we really thought about that commitment and what it will require of us? The second thing that Jesus talked about there when he, he, he says to the one person, follow me, and that person says, you know, I, I can't do it, my father. And, and what, was, what are we being reminded of here? Let's be careful about, you know, really conflicting ob- obligations. Because here's the deal. A, a lot of times, hear me out, we, God is saying something to us, but our life is so filled up that we don't even have room to respond to God. And again, I go back to this idea of Jesus traveling light. There are, listen, there are seasons that God calls us to let go of some things, to make room for our ability to respond to God because we're, we're stuck, we're hampered, we're, and some of those things are not even required of us. We have added them on. And we get, and you know what? The years go by, and we're filling our lives with stuff, obligations that preclude our ability to respond 
to the things that God wants us to move. I can't do that if I, if I had more time. But whoa, it would. we choose how we ultimately spend our time and what's important to us. And we do have time. It's just a choice. Now, now again, be careful about conflicting obligations. And then last thing we saw, the last example, what is it? You know, I, I, I will follow you. Come follow me. The last one is what? You know, essentially, it's connected to this idea. Well, I want to first say goodbye. And what does this remind us of? Be careful about, you know, going back and forth with our, with our, you know, I'm yes, I'm no, maybe, yes, I'll do it. No, I'm not sure I will. I want to follow you. Let me first go say, see, there's something about, you know, when Jesus says, no, don't go. Because Jesus knew, this is what is implied, that in reality, once he went, he wouldn't be back. And there are some situations where it, it's like, you're st- we, we know what we're supposed to do. I'll get back to you on that one, right? Uh, not now. Uh, I mean, I'm going to say goodbye first, and then I'll be back. Yeah, you won't be back. You won't be back. The time is, and this is, leads us to this next thought. What things are, is God asking us to do now, right now? There is a time. There is a time when the word of the Lord comes to you and to me, to us. When our heart is stirred and the water moves and we know God is speaking and he's calling us and he's challenging us, come, follow me. And the danger, of course, is, is that, well, I, you know, I, I want to do that. I feel it. I want to. I'm with you. But, you know, I, I just got to go back and I'll, I'll, I'll be back. I'll be back. <laughs> no, you won't. Because the time is now. And there are times where there are some words, they have an expiration date on them. And there are, I'm not saying God can't do new things and he won't keep coming back. But I'm just saying some, the time to respond to God is when you, feel, when you feel it, when you're hearing it, when you know it, you're supposed to do it. Go for it. Now is the time. One of the things Jesus says, don't say three months and then comes the harvest. The harvest is now. It's ready. The fruit is on the vine. It's going to rot if we don't deal with it now. This is the time. Now, today is the day. There are times when the Lord says, not tomorrow, not a, a month from now, not a year from now, not later on when I'm in better shape to serve you. No, now, now, now is the time. Now. This is the time. But I gotta say, now is the time. I just want to tell him, now is the time. You see what I'm saying? There is a time when everything will grow, and there's a time when nothing will grow. Last thing I'll say. What this thing also reminds us of is that if we have made a decision to follow, then please let's not look back. And by the way, because Jesus was saying, as a poor farmer indeed, who once he sets his mark and sets his line, and he's got his hand on the plow, and he's moving on that line, and it's straight, but then he turns back and starts getting distracted about things in his and he starts getting off course, and the whole thing is a crooked line. He says, listen, that's not, he says, listen once you set your mind to do something, you, go, you do it. And there's something even, by the way, this principle applies across the board. You know what something is there? It's the power of focus. There's something about, some people say, well, how about all this stuff's haunting me? It's dogging me. I can't get free of it. What are we looking at? 
Focus in. I mean, I see in this verse, I see something about Jesus saying there's the power of a focused. You keep your eye on, the, on where you're going. Focus in. Concentrate. We get distracted by so many things, pulled off course. And before long, our lives, we're just, we're just like squandering this gift of life on stuff that a lot of times, is, it's, it's okay, it's okay, it's, 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 it's nothing big. You know, I mean, how much we spend so much time doing things that really don't matter at all. And then, in fact, there are other times where we're actually doing stuff that is hurting us. It is actually setting us back. It's damaging us. And the Lord said, keep a focus, focus in, concentrate. Nothing, nothing is accomplished by looking backwards all the time and getting our eyes off. Stay in the, look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Paul said, I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. This idea of zeroing in. I, let us lay aside in Hebrews 12, it says, every sin and every weight that does so easily beset us and run this race with endurance and patience, looking again unto Jesus, who endured such hostility and showed us how to live. There is a way to live that brings great honor to God. Remember, at the end of the day, our life, which is a limited commodity, we grow old. I don't want to... Now is the time to honor God, love God, invest in spiritual things, love people, build into a kingdom in which it cannot be taken from us. In the song that we're closing with, it's called Run. It's very much connected to what we shared. Look at the fourth and fifth stanzas. New, next page, new day, finding my way. I like that. New page, new day, new opportunity, new beginning. I love that. Stumble upon the strength to move on. It's time to move forward. I'm not alone in this great big world, and you're not alone in this great big world. God's here, and we have others who are running with us. Run now. Don't look back. Run towards the light. That's straight ahead. Keep your eye fixed where the lost souls make a beautiful sound, and new life is finally found. Run. And then there's this one thing that says you're free, free falling. Ah. When that part in the song comes, it's just great. It's sort of like, Lord, I'm trusting you. I'm falling. I'm free falling with you. And so, Lord, I just want to ask you, Lord, in these closing minutes that we have together, that we would really be open to hearing your voice. And I just, I just pray that all of us would be motivated. Um, and ultimately, Lord, you're the one that must do the work in the heart of a person. And no, no man can do it. But we pray that you would work in our lives. And that you would not thank you that you don't. But you would not give up on us, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that we would be open to being challenged by you and not always go the easy route. But sometimes, Lord, you are going to require us to make a hard call. And when we do it, not to turn back, but to dig in and to pursue it and to be fit and to begin to take it seriously, Lord, and to begin to write a new chapter in our lives. And you want to plant people around us who will encourage us to run this race well. And life is a gift. We don't know how many days we have left of our lives, Lord. But we know this, that it's, it's too precious of a thing to, to waste it either in anger or just pursuing things that don't really mean that much. It, it, it's, Lord, I pray that you would help us to at least be building towards things that truly have value and meaning. And so I just pray that you would challenge us around this idea of writing a new chapter and, and running this race and pursuing you, Lord, and not giving up and not allowing our failures to define us, but stirring us, Lord, a heart for your ways. 
And so I just want to pray your blessing over our, our closing song in these closing minutes. Let it be just a, a word of hope and strength, like a closing prayer. And also, Lord, I ask for you to bless our time of giving as our church seeks to honor you in this way as well. We thank you for all things. In Jesus' name, amen. God.